you saw you two in 2011 i did it was around 2011 um i'll paint you a picture i'm 10 years old uh i'm short little boy and uh yeah i think it was june i know it was in the summer because that's vital to this story but okay i was probably 10 years old yeah um and a couple days before this concert i was at the u2 360 concert um and that was my first concert ever Mm -hmm. of all time yeah a couple days before this concert at angel stadium I was at the pool with my family and friends. Okay, so just a nice day out. A nice day of. out. It was great, uh, right. except for the fact that I didn't put on any sunscreen. Yeah, and so no. I got the worst sunburns of my entire life so far, and until up until that point, too. Yeah. Uh, Full-on blisters all over me. No. The worst oh, sunburn shit. I've ever felt, to the point where I couldn't raise my arms because it was so painful. So... What do you do when you go to a concert? Usually you're pumping your arms for the audience. I'm pumping my arms right now. No. Oh, no. Oh, shit. No. And so (laughs) I get to the U2 concert. Like I said, it's my first concert of all time. I love U2 at the time. They're great. Uh, Good. Awesome. Yeah. Huge part of my childhood. Right. And I couldn't dance because (laughs) I had the worst sunburn of all time. It was so bad. I looked like a lobster underneath (laughs) my shirt. It was so bad. It was tragic, and so I kind of just had to. I, I was so stiff. I just shimmy. Yeah, exactly. Almost. I was shimmying to oh, uh, the sounds of Joshua Tree, where the streets have no name. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. But it was quite. It was a great time. Everybody around me was having fun, so I was having fun. Good. Good. Absolutely. But yeah, Dude, that you was. Too. You too. And it was such a good concert. Yeah. They went on for a long time. I don't remember who opened for them. Mm-hmm. But. I feel like that was a really cool first concert for somebody. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like zero to a hundred. Yeah. Like that's an insane oh, yeah. band. Uh, I'd love to see them again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're currently on tour right now or not. I don't think they are. I no. wish they were because I would love to see them. Well, first of all, barely anyone's on tour right now. Yeah. Because so. uh, hey, everyone, uh, we're coming to you live from the coronavirus outbreak quarantine zone of 2020 yes yeah i don't know how to describe it this is this is insane a, a we're glimpse live from chicago i know um our apartment's a mess because we are packing because we have to be out of here in about four days yeah what day is it right it's wednesday, it's wednesday we have so. thursday friday saturday sunday well, not even four days honestly we have three days like three days pretty much because we're leaving sunday and finish doing everything and I think we've made a pretty good dent. Like, I'm looking around right now. Our room is, like, getting there. The living room is doing okay. We need yes. to reorganize a little bit. Well, yeah, but that'll come in. We'll get that done. And I don't even remember what our room used to look like. Is that the original? I don't know. Oh no. I'm sure this is captivating for the audiences for us to look around there. Yeah. But- <laughs> Plus, you have no idea what the hell we're looking at. So. No, but we're. I think we're painting a beautiful picture. It's a, a messy room. The outbreak is like I don't even think it's at its peak yet, but it's it's rising right now. It's we're rising. not at the worst of it. Exactly. It certainly that's ex- seems that's like that's why you know everyone from Colombia is leaving. Dorms are closing. We have to go back home. Yeah, it's a sad time, but you know amidst the chaos, we're, we're here. here talking about we're music, talking about the soundtracks of our lives.
welcome everybody again to the soundtracks of our lives. I am Rylan Martins, and today, episode six, we got my main guy, Ethan Hammock, right here. Hello, everybody. All right, episode six, how do you feel? Episode six, I feel great. That's like a mid-season, uh, how many episodes are we going for? Well, at this point, eight, because of okay, everything so that's going on. Yeah, but we're over the hump. We're over the hump, Okay, exactly. cool. So I'm like, later season, that's great. You're like second half, which is... Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, you're, you know, the OG OG. <laughs> I met you the first time I came to Columbia. Literally the first day I moved in. He's my roommate. He's my OG roommate. We OG. shared a room my freshman year, and now we're sharing a room again. And we're going to, well, we'll see next year, but we're going to live together next year and then the year, year after Absolutely. that. So we can't get rid of each other. Exactly. Uh, we love each other too much. Exactly. You were probably, I don't remember when we saw Jay, but you might have been the first face I saw at Columbia. I think I was. Was Jay there when we got? No, I think he came in a little later. Okay. Then, but, yeah, I think you were the first person at Columbia I saw. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Now look at us staring at each other uh, two feet apart. With mics in between us. Wow. I love but it. But the love transcends through, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, but like I said, I know you. I've known you for almost two years now. It's been a wild ride with you. But, you know, our listeners, they don't know you. They don't know me. Or, well, You're right. Most of them don't know you. So introduce yourself to our listeners. Go for yes. it. Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Like Ryland said, I'm Ethan Hammock, uh, currently a sophomore at Columbia College, Chicago. I'm studying filmmaking with an emphasis in post-production and everything, uh, editing, sound design, everything in the uh, post-production realm. And that's pretty much my whole life, truly. I want to devote my entire being to filmmaking and especially everything in post. I just think it's so special. Um, I've always looked at it like a big puzzle, and mm-hmm. I like having all the pieces in front of me, like the film clips and everything, and being able to put that together is so fascinating to me. Uh, and what's cool is there's not a correct way to put together a puzzle in this world, right. um, in the filmmaking realm. So you can make whatever you want, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's the fun in it. And like I <laughs> have such a good time, and there's so many different variations of doing everything. And I just love having that open opportunity to do whatever I want. And yeah. I've always connected to that. And yeah, and you're from California too. I am. I'm from the West Coast, Southern California, Orange County, Fullerton, <laughs> California, represent. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, life's crazy there. I went to uh, Orange County School of the Arts, uh, which was a performing arts high school where I studied filmmaking from ninth grade to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And then from there moved to Chicago for Columbia. But yeah. I've always been into film my yeah. entire life. That was just a yeah. small part of that. Absolutely. But I think there, though, is when I learned my love of post-production mm-hmm. and talking about music, obviously. Like, everything yeah. sound-related came out of that, too, because mm-hmm. that's where I found how integral music is to filmmaking, which I think is an insane, fun thing to delve definitely, into. Definitely. People tend to overlook that. 100%. Like, music can make something and can also completely ruin something. Mm-hmm. Like completely, yeah. it takes me out of whatever I'm watching. But when you have a good piece of score, a good it uh, brings snip, you right back, right back in. It's yeah. so good. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, that's pretty much Ethan in a nutshell. That's he loves me. Film. I, I mean, I like film and everything, but I never 
like I said, I mm. almost overlooked it at some points. But since meeting you, I've watched so many films with you or without you mm. through that lens, through that analytical, you know, music lens in a sense. And it's really opened my eyes, which is why I'm, you know, I love that world now and I'm trying shit out for that world, like for the film world too, which is insane. I'm so glad you do because I feel like film is the culmination of all the art forms truly. Like mm-hmm. you got music, it's you got visual, visual auditory, yeah, exactly everything. And I feel like music is just one small piece of that, but it's such a crucial piece to that puzzle. Like mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's without it, you don't have anything. You don't mm-hmm. have the uh, emotional backing. That exactly. sometimes gets lost, but exactly. I'm so glad you're delving into that. That makes me so happy. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, you showed it to me, so you opened my eyes to it. Well, That's... I'm honored to be Listen, there. Listen, if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't have the friends I have now. I wouldn't be looking at the film mm-hmm. the way I do now, and I have you to thank for that. Oh, well, thank you, you so much. And you... uh I'm not big into the technical side of music. Uh, for some reason, I can't connect to that too much. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but I okay, just can't. Yeah. But uh, I think I am learning a lot from you in that mm-hmm. realm because you're like a genius in that whole. You know, you know the beats. Okay, genius you know, might be an overstatement. <laughs> no, I see. I watch you, and I I just sit back quietly because there's nothing I can contribute to that. I'm just like, okay, you get it. Like, <laughs> say uh, I have an idea in my head for something, and like I could just hum it, and it's so bad, but like you're able to put that into guitar with a piano or anything. And so it's pretty cool. Oh my dude. God. Thank you so much. Well, like we know, this is the soundtracks of our lives. Yes. So before we delve into all this deep, meaningful conversation, I know we're going to have, I'm going to ask you to set the scene for me, paint a picture, take me back in time, take me back to your like earliest music memories, what you remember, what was the scene like, what influenced you and everything in between so shoot well you and i were talking about this maybe like four or five days ago about the idea that so much of your musical taste or literally any taste at all literally in any form yeah comes from childhood oh Um, absolutely and i'm sure you've seen that with your other episodes and the episodes to come like hell yes every kid has a taste because their mom or dad played it on the radio in the car that's what i said like that's what I was telling you, and I think I was telling Matt that too. Mm-hmm. From all the episodes that I was recording, what I got from that was our tastes were developed or they were beginning to develop because of what we heard on the radio in our parents' cars. 100%. You know, even if they were driving us to school or driving us anywhere. And it could be subconscious. Exactly. It's like you don't even realize until you're sitting here recording a music podcast and like, Wow, I sure listened to a lot of Coldplay exactly. when I was five, six, seven years old, and I still do that now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would be listening to Coldplay right now if it wasn't for that. Exactly. Um, you and I were talking about it a couple of days ago too about the Clocks by Coldplay. I think when I was the thinking best about Coldplay song, I think it's like perfect. It like is. truly, it like it's just long enough, and it's got this amazing it's just piano. Long enough, it's got the perfect instrumentation in it and Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know it was just masterfully put together and it came out like a perfect time um i was probably i don't know when it came out like Uh, 2002 okay then definitely my mom or dad had 
a CD of the album yeah. that I play in the car. And I just, because that's the most nostalgic or nostalgia I feel for a song mm-hmm. ever above anything else. <laughs> I, yeah. Like those piano notes bring me back to little, little boy Ethan 2005 running around in an apartment complex. I love it. Love it. Jeez, like I'm getting the feels right now. Like yeah. it's, that's the power of music. That's, yeah, it really makes you, sometimes breaks you, but you know, it's, it's why we're standing here or uh-huh. sitting here today. Yes. And uh, going off of Coldplay, that was like, I think Coldplay, uh, anything rock related, not like hard rock, but like uh, David Bowie was big, like very, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to see this is where I'm going to need your help to describe yeah, yeah, yeah. music, but like very uh wavy very um it, well, yeah, it had it was like not little, psychedelic i'm not gonna say psychedelic, psychedelic no. but like that was because that was earlier but like um because when you said david bowie and you said you know wavy i think you know kind of groovy kind of area groovy stuff. yeah i think and that, i was thinking you know david bowie uh, 1983 let's dance that record yeah which was you know insanely good i think that's what played in the car mm-hmm and that's what, like, I don't listen to too much of that now, but I yeah. think it had a huge influence. Yeah, that style, definitely. That style. Because you see or you hear what people are doing now with that style of music, and you definitely can hear the influence. Oh, yeah, it sure influenced them. Like, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just, it left a huge impact on me currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I've taken... uh those reverb notes from Coldplay, and I've moved on yeah. to other bands, but it's still so so strong. Absolutely, in my realm of music. And you know, we talked about listening to the radio, mm-hmm. your parents' car, all that kind of stuff. Apart from your parents, because I know they were probably really big influence. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit more about that, or? Well, I, I was going to jump off from that, like jumping yeah, yeah, from yeah. off of the radio. Um, mm-hmm. 2008 2009 what were kids doing they were playing rock band or guitar hero in their houses Hell, yes they were so that was like the perfect transition from listening to those groovy rock songs like eye of the tiger and then playing that on rock band or yeah. guitar hero it's like then you could feel it you know like oh yeah i was never able to really play any of the instruments i i started off with drums Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't get into it, but mm-hmm. I think that was easiest for me. And then I moved on to the guitar and I was a rock band family. I wasn't, yeah, guitar. Yeah. you were either one or the other usually, Yeah. but I was on the guitar and I, I couldn't <laughs> hold it upright. <laughs> and so I had to set it on my lap, like a piano, so like a lap slide. Exactly. That's so funny. And like, I could get it then and I could like flick the eight seat. What's this? What's the thing on the guitar? The yeah, just I, I know what you're talking about. Okay, you got like it. Like on the guitar here or rock band guitars, yep. you had that little thing you flick. Uh-huh. And it actually, with that and hitting the note mm-hmm. on the fret, you actually, yep. you know, that's how the game registered mm-hmm. the note being played. That was me, but on my lap because I couldn't. I, it was also <laughs> probably heavy for me because I, I I'm still a little guy, but like... Mm-hmm. I was li- even littler then. And even so, littler. Little, littler. Littler. Um, <laughs> so that guitar was probably heavy for me now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, so yeah. I'm, a- I'm making excuses for myself. I shouldn't be doing that. I no, don't worry. I Honestly, when I first started playing guitar, I was about eight, nine years old too. Actually, no. Well, the first time I picked up a guitar, I was like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. But I held it like that. Yeah. 
and I would put my hand just all on the fret and just <laughs> just like start strumming and well that's how you start you just thing. screw around you f around with it like that's how you really get oh, there with absolutely anything. hell yeah i never played rock band or guitar here or whatever in my house i always played it at arcades whenever i would go and it's funny because like i like to think i'm you know pretty good guitar now mm-hmm. but even now i absolutely suck at rock band and guitar here really oh yeah. my god it's so funny it's so stupid i hate it I, I could never get it right for some reason that's interesting i wonder how many other people are in your shoes i don't know all right so moving on yes. you talk about your parents how they influenced your music taste you know listening to the radio in the back of their car were there any other influences in your life you know friends places anyone else that really helped you develop your music tastes into what it is today. Well, I think this is a perfect segue to go into filmmaking. Absolutely. Because I'm is. like, however old I was, like seven, eight, or nine in the full like development stages. Yeah. Where I'm watching these films for the first time, and it's all subconscious. Like I'm watching, who knows what, Narnia, <laughs> uh, Monster House, yeah. <laughs> random movies as a kid. As normal. As normal, but like I'm listening to these do. scores. Yeah. And I'm like attaching myself to them and I'm thinking about them rather than the film, you know? And I think that's why I started connecting to films. Mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer, the legend himself, definitely yes. my favorite composer yes. of all time, if not my favorite musical artist of all time, which I think he is. Oh, absolutely. Is scoring these movies that are just insane and they're incredible. Hell yeah. And I'm connecting to them probably subconsciously as a kid. Mm-hmm. But now he's, probably, like I said, the number one artist I listen to. Uh, he's my favorite. I think he's an absolute master. Yeah. And he's he's only getting better. He's killing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only evolving from now. The, the instruments he has available to him now are insane. Exactly. Especially the accessibility with technology. Exactly. He's getting crazy. He can bring all of it together. And... Like we were talking about before, how a music can make a movie or break a movie. Yeah. I didn't see X Men: Dark Phoenix, but mm-hmm. I listened to the score, and yeah. Hans Zimmer did the score. Yeah, and he kills it. Like it's crazy. I don't know if you've listened to any of it. No, well, you I, saw the movie. I dude. saw the movie. It, no, the score was absolutely phenomenal. Uh huh. I'm not gonna lie, it really was. It's crazy. It's that like, movie though. Yeah, mm. I didn't see the movie. I didn't need to. But, but the yeah, music, you're, you're I'm sure. Yourself. Yeah. But no, but the music was. It's it crazy. Was so good. So I think stuff like as a kid watching movies with the big grand epic massive scores at, yeah like those big orchestral pieces totally like all coming together and stuff uh-huh and we'll probably get into this later but like I don't connect too much with the fantastical scores like someone like Danny Elfman yeah yeah I don't connect much with that a lot okay. but I think like the big like I'm probably going to say this so often, but the big bassy, like, you feel it inside. I don't yeah. even know how to describe that. Exactly. I totally know what you mean because, you know, you get those bassy, mm-hmm. just that big. lower end of an orchestra. Uh-huh. And again, with all like those bass frequencies, those lower frequencies, you feel it rather than mm-hmm. hear it. And that's fascinating. Like, why do I like that so much? Right. I don't truly know. I don't know <laughs> why. I think about that a lot. But, like, right. why I like the things that I like. Yeah. And 
I feel like it has to go to, back to my childhood for something. Like, yeah. It might have been, like, you know, some stuff on the radio, like some of those pop songs and probably stuff. Probably, that you felt the bass. that bass and all that kind of stuff. Something like a Coldplay that would use that often. Absolutely. Going to yeah. those drops. Probably will never know truly, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's something there, you know. There is something there. I think that's fascinating. Definitely. And I know you love to balance those bassy undertones with a really high airy but a lot of high end definitely i love that uh juxtaposition i love like Mm -hmm. keeping one note down way low but like then you can draw the mountains over that with like a violin or anything yeah or piano while keeping that bass line i think that's just so cool wonderful wonderful so we much. haven't even got <laughs> yeah you only yeah uh, he has yeah. a whole list of stuff he wants to talk about and we've only talked about Hans Zimmer I and know. that list is like almost a page long yeah so <laughs> let's get into it jeez yeah what do we want to do well you talked about filmmaking yeah and you know talked about Hans Zimmer can we go keep, at it because yeah, I can just go keep at it going okay. with because I know there are so many different composers that have perked your ears your mm-hmm. 19 years of life yeah so yeah go for it okay well i'll move down this list because i'm still in love with Hans zimmer i think he's the greatest oh, um yeah i got started with him and i've kept with him ever since but um someone i'm looking at right now who i'm currently obsessed with is a guy named colin stetson okay uh he did the score for hereditary and a few other stuff. Ooh, and what okay. he's doing is insane. He has, I think it's a saxophone he's using. But okay. I love scores that are unique and like sound completely different than anything else. Right. And that's what he's doing. Because yeah. if you've seen Hereditary, that score in the film, honestly, is like one of the most unique yeah. pieces of, our, of all time. Right. That score is crazy. Mm-hmm. He does stuff with the saxophone that I've never heard before because he mixes it with those big, bassy tones that i was talking about right he makes right. the saxophone into those bassy waves and it's insane Ooh. like he uses the saxophone as a bass and as yeah. the main source right and um, if you've watched hereditary you know that a saxophone does not belong no in that movie no but and, it works so well it's crazy but that's the point though because i think it's so unnerving and so freaking weird it's so it's, jarring it's so jarring and like I was, I was talking a little bit about this before, but I don't like a lot of, like, horns. Like, Danny yeah. Elfman uses a lot of trumpets and stuff. Right, right. Um, that's, again, that fantastical. Yeah, and I don't really vibe too much. Vibe. It's like the high pass, like, the very yeah. high frequency. It's not for me, personally. But right. he uses a saxophone, and that gets to those points. But for some reason, he just makes it work. Right. And he's insane. I think it's that balance between, you know, you said how he uses the, uh-huh. the saxophone as... That low bass. Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of thing, but he also goes really high with it. Uh huh. It's definitely a balance between the two that really makes that movie score. 100. It's the total balance. It's both of them at the same time, and it's so unique. Yeah. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Uh, he did another score uh, for this movie or the show called First Something. I don't remember what it's First Something. It's a sci fi show. I haven't okay. watched it. Yeah. Um, you can listen to the score on Spotify, Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, not Amazon, uh, Apple Music. But he does the same thing with the saxophone. I think that's like his main instrument. I think okay, that's his yeah. calling card. Yeah. 
and he oh it's just so good like he uses <laughs> so many synths but he uses the saxophone as the tether right so he's like probably like top five artists i'm listening to right now mm-hmm. in terms of score um i mostly listen to score i probably should have said that earlier but um yeah that's I know you that's do. my vibe dude um yep i my preferred music taste is soundtracks it's right absolutely it, that's why i listen to all the time mm-hmm. um it kind of connects with my post-production love because I love editing trailers as my niche. Yeah. And so I need those big, epic, bassy stuff that can go into theaters and, like, really get edited to easily. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what I listen to, and I always listen to music with an editor's mind, mm-hmm. editor's uh, yeah. ear. And you also have a YouTube channel, too. I do. For trailers. Oh, and, yeah. You know, what, like, the stuff you make on your mm-hmm. own and stuff. Coda Prime, C O D A Prime. Uh, <laughs> check it out. I edit fan made trailers. Um, awesome. But yeah, Colin Stetson. I'm obsessed with him. I can't wait for his scores in the future. Yeah. I would love to work with him. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm obsessed. <laughs> and I know you got more on that. I got too, more. So I don't know. You want me it. to keep going? Keep all going. I, mean, I hope you all are listening. You all. Uh, yeah, if we yeah, bore I, you, I apologize. You, know, take, you, can, you can take a little bit of time off. You know, like, and listen to some of this music. Like this stuff is oh, crazy. Absolutely. Oh yeah. If you're in a score, like talk to me. Like this stuff is insane. Yes. I love to listen to more um, stuff I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll keep going on this list. Uh, yeah. The next up is a guy named Bobby Kilrick. I don't know how to say his last name, but he also goes as a uh, Haxon Cloak, which I think is his like band name okay. or like. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he's done the score for Midsummer, uh, and a few other solo pieces that he's done, a, f- a few solo albums. But his stuff is insane. <laughs> like, talk about crazy. Yeah. Um, it's even more insane. Though. It's even more insane. It's more a little more classic. It's like uh, I forget how he did chamber music. He called it chamber music. That's like really okay. dark. Right. His stuff so is like chamber up. orchestra, really confined, almost. Yes. You feel it. It's like talk about bass. There's yeah. some songs on his uh, solo albums, mm-hmm. even from Midsummer, that are just, like, crawling in bass and crawling and, like, using a chorus yeah, yeah. as the bass. Mm-hmm. So it's scary. Like, you feel their voices inside with headphones. Oh, okay. It's yeah. all, like, horror uh, music. He does an right. insane job. It's very ambient, yeah. which is uh, one of my loves of music is, like, very ambient, wavy, roomy, just, like, airy. roomy. Yeah. Reverb, we're going to talk about it. But Reverb is a like... a lot about Reverb. Reverb is huge in my life. You know this. Yeah. Um, in editing and sound design, Reverb is my go-to. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. And all these people so far have um, utilized that. So yeah. I think that's why I love them. I know we've also talked about our love for the scores of Trent Reznor and Adam oh, Ross, yes. too. You know, oh. if you don't know Trent Reznor... Uh, the front man of Nine Inch Nails, Atticus Ross, mostly his songwriting partner. Now he's a member of the Nails as well. Oh, so but good. But their scores, too, are just phenomenal. They're insane. Talk about, like, influential, actually, because Social Network came out 2010? Yeah, yeah. And, like, I watched that around then. I'll be honest. Like, I watched that as a kid, um, even though it's a super messed up movie. I think yeah. that's – you can understand why I love these movies now because – Oh, yeah. Everything happens when you're a kid. There's a siren outside that's showing how crazy I am. Um, but, yeah, they are so good. 
talk about like an unnerving weird score so unique like all their yeah. stuff is so unique um they usually do the scores for david fincher's work who is right. like top three filmmakers for me of all time um him denis villeneuve ridley scott ari aster like mm-hmm. my gods they're my idols and <laughs> trent Reznor, atticus ross um usually do the score for david fincher stuff with yeah. mindhunter um Social Network, Gone Girl, amongst so many others, but right. they kill it. Like they're so oh, yeah. unique. Oh, absolutely. I think they come at it with like sound design in mind too. Oh yeah, and just like the you instruments, can hear they, it you can hear score, it, and, and they work so it the well with the too. scenes. Mm-hmm. And like David Fincher and his editing team, like they know where to put the music in. Yeah, and it's just so perfect. It's I'm obsessed so, with them, and so I'm glad good. you dig them too. Yeah, like. Like you, Social Network, Gone Girl, you know, uh-huh. just watching those things. I mean, like I said before, I never really placed so much emphasis on the score when I was watching those movies, but those are ones that really got me. That's so good. And, you know, I would take that and I would be like, you know, I'd do my research. I'd be like, okay, who actually wrote these those? Because that just sounds so cool. Mm-hmm. Then. Find out it was Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. I've listened to Trent Reznor so many times, you know, from his work in Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and then they're and doing this to stuff. think about <laughs> what they're doing outside of just the music, their music careers is just—they're crazy, insane. And I'm glad like so you're, you're taking that away because, like, I feel like that's what makes a unique score. Not like watching a scene, be like, "Wow, this is cool music," and then you're taken out of it. It's like. You watch a scene and you feel the music and you're not thinking about it until you leave the theater and you're like, whoa, this all works so good as a exactly. piece. And then you're on your drive home, it's you just listen jealous. to the album yeah. and you're like, wow, Absolutely. this kills it. And they work so good on their own. Yeah. And yeah, they always consistently kill it. I don't think they've failed once, mm-hmm. like truly in my eyes. Yeah. I don't think they've Same had a thing, like, And I mean, I don't think they've failed at all. And, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on with them too was... You think about Nine Inch Nails, really industrial rock, heavy emphasis on electronic music. (laughs) And, you know, they've really brought the electronic scene to the forefront Mm -hmm. in that industrial rock sense. But you think about the movie scores that they're doing where you can find so many differences yet so many similarities. I think, yeah, you can see, like, they don't use the guitar that often or, like, the horror drums, but, like... yeah. Even in their piano notes and the distorted stuff they do, like, it all... Stu- and I'm going to say this as a compliment, but, like, all their scores feel gross most of the time. Yeah, Like, yeah. they feel nasty and they're dirty. They're, like sludgy. And- they're sludgy yeah. and, like, so just, like, dirty, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you listen to the Immigrant but we Song mean that, cover. Yeah. But we mean that in the nicest oh, way possible. Oh, yes. No, that is, like, the it's biggest so, compliment. it's so, so good. It fits really well into any movie they do. It's the, the I, I'm obsessed with it. It's so yeah. good because it's they're doing stuff for David Fincher, whose movies all feel that way. They all yeah. feel absolutely disgusting. Right. And I'm in love with him. Think about it now. I don't think they did the they didn't do the score for Mindhunter. Um, that's another guy, but that's another show that just feels gross. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they're so good. Absolutely beautiful. I'm actually looking it up right now. Let's see. If it's, it's a guy. Good. His name is Jason Hill. He's so is good. That score yeah. is insane. 
Yeah, that guy killed it too. He. I'm assuming he definitely took a page out of their book. I wouldn't be surprised like... if he talked to them because that score, I guess because it's Fincher too, but mm-hmm. you feel their influence. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. Absolutely. I pro- I'm sure he wanted Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross to come back, but yeah, yeah, probably didn't work out. But I'm sure mm-hmm. they had discussions. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about this too because, um, you know, we're talking about real big composers, but they only compose for film mainly. I want to talk about some other influences, some other people or artists that have had really established music careers, but delve into film scoring and composing for film. And they do a great job at it. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites I can think of was Mark Knopfler, who is the frontman of Dire Straits, but he also did the score for The Princess Bride. Oh, cool. And Local Hero as well. Yeah. And I love that instrumentation that he brings into that spectrum to, you know, the shift from that bluesy rock, jazz, whatever he does in Dire Straits kind of brings it over the side for picture. But he also, I don't know what to say about it. It's just, it's so cool it's what he does crazy. That's such an interesting transition. I'm trying to think of people who do that. Yeah, because like can I can think of a couple off the top of my head, especially for Disney scores kind of, because, you know, um, I talked about it with Julia. Phil Collins did the Tarzan score. Elton John did Lion King. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of stuff. Jeez, who else does this? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, we also talked about Trent Reznor. Yeah, that, who that's does a this, great example. Which was a, you know, it's a textbook example of that. Jeez, I don't know if I can think of any people off the top of my head. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of artists that I listen to that don't do scores, but sound their music alone sounds like scores. Yeah, yeah. Like, off the top of my head right now on my list, uh, Muse, all their stuff sounds like a score, like, truly. Yes. yes, it does. It all sounds like you could drop that into any super weird, cool film, and it'll completely function. Yeah. I've discovered that that's the music that I listen to a lot, is the stuff that is cinematic. I don't know why I connect to it, obviously, or probably, because I love filmmaking, and yeah. I just think... Stuff that's cinematic is just stuff that I connect to the most. Like, oh yeah, Muse, absolutely. Um, who else? There's a band that I love. I don't know if it's Less Friction or Less Friction, but they're sort of like a Muse, U2, Coldplay, Love Child. Like they're <laughs> so good. Yeah, they use um, just so many like big choral pieces and just like big drums that sound like they're straight out of a trailer yeah um and i just love strapping on my headphones and listening to it Mm -hmm. and while they're not necessarily score pieces like they feel like they would be you know right they feel like they could just fit into Mm -hmm. any film almost yeah that's what i love the most and i feel like we're always going to tie this back to childhood but like yeah coldplay i think it does that to some extent on some of their songs um a lot of the stuff I watched or listened to as a kid was through film. Mm-hmm. I probably listened to a lot of music while watching films. Yeah, but you never thought about it as no, much, or you never, not. you know, took apart. You never like dissected. No, because I was like nine years old, like, yeah. watching the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. <laughs> but yeah, 
yeah, I think that's just a fascinating thing. It is. Yeah, and you were talking about Coldplay too. One of the songs that is the most cinematic to me, and you know, one I can think of right off the top of my head, Violet Hill. Yes. No. One hundred percent. I just listened to it. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Totally. I it love that. It brings that whole cinematic experience in, but then once Chris Martin's vocals come in, you know, comes the piano comes in too, and it's smooth, soft, yet. You know it's tense. That's going to happen. And then right after that first line that he sings, like a rush of the drums, the guitars, the bass, everything just comes in. Yes, that's what I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet. But in my post-production love of anything in music or anything, yeah. it's the tension in the slow build. Yeah, Like yeah. my entire life is built on a slow build. For everything, and yeah. so of course, when you have a song like Violet Hill, it's just rising. You feel it rise it's rising. and rise. You know it's tense. You can it's feel coming. the anticipate. You're uh-huh. anticipating it so much. Yep. And you know it's coming, but even when it comes in, it still knocks you out. Yes, it's so good. The tension. Oh, you feel it. It's so yeah. good. You're pulling right. the rubber band. It's like you can. You're like, when's it gonna snap? Knife. When's it gonna snap? Exactly. Boom. Exactly. Yeah, but going off that muse train too, you were talking about a lot of more unknown stuff that kind of has that cinematic vibe, and but also brings in a lot of that slower rise, tension, and all that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. Is it time to talk about my my beautiful gang? My be- yeah. Oh, all right. Hell yeah. I've been waiting to talk about these people. For so long. They're a band named Sun Lux. Yep. Okay. They are by far my favorite band right now. Um, we talked about uniqueness earlier and how important that is to me. Mm-hmm. And I've never found a band like them. I Like truly. Yeah. yeah. They are so great. I played some for Ryland the other day. We actually went record store hunting. And they're a relatively small band. And somehow... On God's holy earth, I found an <laughs> album, which is one single album. Yeah. In this pile. On vinyl. On vinyl. And he bought it. I bought, played it. We played and it. It was. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts if you listen blowing. to any of it. it. No, it was so good. Yeah, um, it's a little weird. It is a little weird. It got, it got really weird at times. There were moments where it was really jarring, mm-hmm. but it really fit as well. Yeah. So it's. Like we talked about before, it's that juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And not so much the juxtaposition of instrumentation, but the juxtaposition of themes yes. within the music. 100%. Like every song, and I love this, every song usually doesn't follow a pattern like most songs do. Yeah, yeah. It's just like all over the place. It's so experimental and weird. But by the end of the song, they usually come back to a piece you heard earlier. Oh yeah, and you're like you're like okay, we brought it home. I don't know how we got here, but we did. Yeah, and I feel like that's with every single song. Mm -hmm. Um, I found them completely accidentally um, looking for a specific, some random song with a specific couple words in it. I searched a Black Waters because I'm like I need something for poison as a motif for a project that I'm working on. We'll talk about that soon. We will talk about that soon. Oh, anticipation. Um, (laughs) Yeah, speaking of tension. Tension. Yeah, this is where we're gonna set the plant the seed right here. It's coming later, but yep. um, 
I found a song by Sunlux titled Black Waters, the exact same thing I searched up. Mm-hmm. Completely randomly played it, and now that song is like top five favorite songs for me of all time because yeah. I played it for you yesterday, and like you could tell, like it's cinematic as it hell. Like cinematic. it feels like a trailer. And, yeah, it's just so and it's right. rising. You could the whole song is rising. A trailer or a scene in a film. Yep, with that behind it, and it just works. Yep, it works. It's yeah. so cool, and it's so dark and cool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I judge songs by how good they feel with headphones on. Yeah. And it feels good. Let me tell you, <laughs> the bass of the drums and it just, uh, uh, there's a lot of harmonies. I found that I love harmonies with yeah, several absolutely. people, layers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge thing for me and they do a lot of that, especially yeah. in that song. And right. pretty much every other song they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's, so please good. listen to Sunlux. If you like Muse, if you like music, Music, please. yeah. <laughs> if you like music, <laughs> if you like me, please play anything from Sunlux. I will reach out to me, and I will give you a list of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Ransom is a good one on, I forget which album, but yeah, no, Aquatic is good. <laughs> yeah, they're insane. Oh, just, just drop them, yeah, perfect. Yeah, they are great. I hadn't heard about them before. Mm-hmm. You showed them to me, and then I kind of you know listen to them a little bit mm. but that day we played the record again it was mind-blowing it was you know it was everything you've talked about right now up to this point with you know the whole cinematic vibe and the juxtaposition of themes as well as instrumentation mm. the tension it was all in that album you and feel it yeah you feel it and that's the one the album I ended up buying because it's the only one there was their debut, and that was in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. And like it still works, and they've only gotten up. better. And like I can't wait for their future stuff if they ever <laughs> go on tour. I think they do occasionally. I think they open for people, but yeah, that's like a dream show. Him, them, and uh, Hans Zimmer by far. Yeah, like, I would drop any amount of money to see them. Dude, live them together you would <laughs> Let, oh god dude <laughs> I, would, I would not i don't think that would happen but no if it happened if holy, i had a million dollars dream, that's it? my fever dream <laughs> So yeah, we're talking about all these film scores, film composers, all this great cinematic music. You know, you talk about Muse, Sunlux, but I know there's another side to you, like another half to you, deeply rooted in just popular music, and it's just, it's literally shit you listen to on the radio. Oh yeah. we've bonded so much over this as well we just you know vibe to it it's just fun times so yeah we've been talking this entire length about how dark and brooding i am in the music i listen to well (laughs) let me tell you 
Oh, that's far from the truth. That's far from the truth sometimes. Like, sometimes I am just in the mood for some 2000s, like early, or not early, but like mid-2000s to late-2000s pop rock. Like, and then like early 2010s. Yes. Pop like and rock and Katy Perry, too. the perfect example for this. She's like the queen of this. <laughs> You're going to help me describe this right now because I don't know how to truly do it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. this bassy like harmony like you feel the vocals you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's layered got, it's that almost raspy yet airy and clean it's clean clear. clean it's like, is a great way like yeah, it's, it's so clean, clean it's crisp but it's also like a touch gritty it's like in terms of like the bit. instruments i think yeah like the bass like what's that song by timbaland the uh way I are? the way i are like i think that's a fun example of the stuff that I listen to occasionally. Yeah. Oh, he loves that song. I he love that, that song. song. It's like, it's so big. Like, if you blast it in the car it's with so good speakers, boomy. it's so oh, boomy. Like, yeah. my love of bass transcends all of my love for music, no matter where. Like, right. you get that with everything I talked about before and mm-hmm. this stuff. Like, I love feeling the music, you know? I love feeling the sound design in films and feeling the editing. Right. It's and about like, feel instead of hearing. Again, we talked about those exactly. lower frequencies. You know, you feel it instead of hearing it. And I think that's so freaking Yeah, with cool. you, what I found with you is you love that feel. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you can totally get that with um, people like Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Timbaland, Flo Rida. Um, yeah. Oh, Who's uh, the girl who did Anything Could Happen? Ellie, Ellie Golding. 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 That's what it uh, is. Anything Could Happen by Ellie Golding. Yeah, Golding. It's like my go-to. I feel, I feel like that's the epitome. That's the go-to, like, weird side of me, you know? That, yeah. like, you wouldn't expect, but, like, you kind of do. Like, mm-hmm. you see me, I'm a little, like, cheerful kind of guy. Like, oh, yeah. So maybe, like, I don't know. Like, is it... Would you expect this? Maybe on the surface, you'd expect it because I don't know. Because I feel like the dark brooding stuff is like not against my personality. It isn't. I mean, at times I think it would clash a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't seem. I don't know. It's crazy. I know. Like, Like, I mean, personality wise, it's something that, you know, we wouldn't think mm -hmm. you listen to too much. Yeah. In a sense. I definitely talk more about. The dark, epic, yeah. cinematic stuff. I so think, I, you know what it is? I think it's the fact that that dark, broody side of you, it comes out more in what you do yeah. as a filmmaker and as, in post-production as opposed to who you are. I think so. So and I think that's where those two halves lie. What you do is all that dark, broody stuff that you really love to make you know, with the visual, you know, on-screen yep. stuff, but also with the music. And then who you are is this light, cheerful, bubbly I think so. guy with like a really nice personality. And it's all that pop stuff that just, it's all the stuff that has that groove. It's really funky. It's something you could dance to yep. and everything. It's so fascinating. I love that. Because like, I think those are the two sides of me. Like, yeah. It's I don't even know how to describe it because like I feel like the stuff I make is so a part of me. That's like, that's the stuff that goes on in my head. Like all those ideas and everything, like 
all the influences as a kid playing stuff like Bioshock, playing Assassin's Creed, yeah, yeah. watching David Fincher's stuff, Ridley Scott stuff that are so dark and like epic as freaking hell. Um, that's the stuff that like that's what I'm thinking about in my head. I love yeah, yeah. thinking about that stuff. And then how I act though is like the Britney Spears. It's that I act like Britney bubbly, Spears. Everybody, um, cheerful guy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you. Are Britney Spears embodied? I think that's what this is coming <laughs> to. By the end of this podcast, I will have become Britney Spears. I this wish. is a realization for you, isn't I, it? This is yeah, just, this is, wow. This is a big moment in your this life. This is a big... I love it. So, yeah, that's the secret slash not-so-secret part of me. Because I feel like if you met me on the street and I say hi to you and we have a conversation, you're not going to walk away thinking, oh, this dude listens to, like, Sun Lux. This guy listens to Muse, uh, mm-hmm. Lay of Friction, Colin Stetson. Like you're not gonna think that I listen to that. Dark not stuff. off the top of our heads, no. No, but I think once you get to know me, like you're gonna see, like that's the stuff. But yeah. maybe on the surface, right? It is like the Katy yeah. Perry. I mean, if you, you know, people saw you walking on the street too. I think, and we just start a conversation, and then you parted ways. I don't think they would either. I don't think they would think you listen to Britney Spears, Katy Perry, and stuff either. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I think they'd try to fit you somewhere along the middle of mm. those two. Yeah. But in reality, those are your two extremes. I feel like there is no in-between with you. No. I, I it's literally two halves. I think, yeah, it's black or white with me. Exactly. That's what you're going to get. This is like... We're getting deep. I'm your therapist. This yeah. is therapy. Dude, this is therapy. Why would I pay to have her much money? When I have Riley Martin's podcast. Uh, I mean, you have to pay me at some point for oh, therapy. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to take this for free. Guys, he's making everybody pay for each of these sessions. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you made me sound like an asshole. He's not an asshole. He's just my therapist. I love that. We've talked about you know so much, and we've touched on the two different sides of you. Um, I wanted to get into if there were any pivotal moments in your life where music played an important role because you know we talked about the whole cinematic side to you as well as the light bubbly cheerful poppy side to you and i want to know was there any catalyst to spark those sides and that developed those music tastes in a sense you know what i mean um i know pertaining to moments i connect to with music like I feel like I do that a lot. Yeah. If I listen to We Are Young by Fun. Yeah. Yeah. That my mind is going to go to sixth grade middle school. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I was listening to then. Yeah. That's like that that funky kind of rock. Very Queen. Like, they're so much like Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slow rock, but it's really emotional, heartfelt. Yeah. And, I mean, it feels emotional and heartfelt and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That's what I, I listen to that. That transports me to sixth grade middle yeah. school, and like stuff like a uh, tongue tied by Group Love, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like brings me back to high school. Yeah. So it's like there's so much nostalgia, and like we said way or way back in the beginning of this, mm-hmm. Clocks by Coldplay. Oh. That yeah. it's like anywhere from 2000 to 2006. Mm-hmm. That can bring me back to that point in time. And then were there more of those songs as well that transported you to different moments in your life? 
as yeah. well. Like Knights of Sidonia by Muse can bring me back to so many different parts of my life. Um, mm-hmm. One moment was driving at midnight after something with Braden Swope, my best friend from California. Shout out to Braden Swope. Shout out to Braden Swope. Um, we listened to that at like midnight on this dark road on, on our yeah. way to a freeway and like yeah. blasting it <laughs> in a car and like just like that's not even like a pivotal moment, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like truly happened, but it was just like a good feel. Absolutely. Which I think it's like yeah. you, so much of music can like get you there. Mm-hmm. It's like tiny little moments that exactly. like stuff like that. Hence the name of this podcast, the soundtracks of our lives. This is yeah. all of the music that's been underlying in us since birth all the way to now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's exactly what I want to touch on. Yeah. In this podcast. You know, I want to invoke that nostalgia. I want to talk about all the things that happened musically in people's lives. That made them who they are today. 100%. I think nostalgia and music, is a, it's a very strong relationship. Oh, they go hand two. in hand. Totally. Like, so much of our memory is connected through audio, you know? Yeah. Like, with score as an example. Like, I know La La mm-hmm. Land is such a nostalgic score, yeah. but for, like, no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an awesome movie, but, like, I don't have a nostalgia with that movie. But... Hearing the music to that movie brings me back to the time when I watched the movie. And so yeah, it's not like a yeah. connective piece to the song itself. Right. It's connected to the, to the moment, the memory, the moment that I was in at the time. Right, exactly. So that brings me back to like whenever that was, like sophomore, junior year. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, damn, like <laughs> nostalgia feels. It's yeah. only been like three or four years, but still, it's vital to our lives. Like you said, two halves to you. We have the big cinematic side. And the big, poppy, cheerful side. I know you usually don't blend the two as much. Yeah, speaking of the more of that cinematic side. Oh, shoot. You remember that tension we mentioned earlier? Yeah, tension. That rubber band is about to snap. <laughs> um, so we're about to announce something really, 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 really special. Yep. Between Rylan and I. Um, this right is now, the big reveal. It's a right big here. reveal. Um. Currently, the, a project I'm working on right now is a short film or like medium length short film uh, called Valravin, which is based on a Dutch folktale that I'm in love with, and it's sort of a modern retelling of it. And um, I've been listening to a lot of different score pieces by various people, like Hacks and Cloak I mentioned earlier, uh, Hans Zimmer, uh, amongst others. Yeah. And Ryle and I have talked about this uh, movie right now. Um, and different artists and about the script because right now i'm currently writing with a good friend uh, gavin conland who i went to high school with mm-hmm. uh, we're on the second draft right now trying to get a third yeah shout out um, to gavin too. shout out to gavin conland he's <laughs> instrumental in the process of this movie but <laughs> rylan and i have connected a lot with the story um and the music and i like to announce right now that rylan martins will be making his debut as the composer of Val Robin shooting at the end of this year. <laughs> he is yes, going to yes. kill it. Um, we are so, so, so excited to delve into this realm. Um, yeah. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be new for both of us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're going to get crazy. The first score that I've ever composed. 
this is probably the first thing I've ever completely composed because I might have a few songs lying around here and there but nothing that ever came to fruition as much as this is mm -hmm. going this is to. coming and we have probably about a year or a little less than a year to like craft this thing yeah which yeah. is so exciting and absolutely we're gonna bring all the elements that we love we want to make this thing unique we want to make it yeah. dark and brooding and bassy but like but also light airy and bring all those bring it all of, together uh, have a sinister theme like a more optimistic theme and yeah just tie all of those in together we're really playing with emotion with this music i don't yes. want to talk about the plot of the movie yet mm -hmm. um you'll see it uh you'll find out soon you'll enough. find out soon enough within the coming months but yeah there's a it's very focused movie in that there's a lot of there's not a lot of characters which i think brings a lot of opportunity for themes that yeah. Ryland and i are playing with a lot um gonna play with a lot of themes a lot of emotions a lot of shifts of emotions definitely it's huge like really play with uh, like you just said shifts of emotions character beats mm -hmm. that are vital that music can enforce Absolutely. the acting and the editing and we're gonna assign different instruments to different characters and like start to meld and layer them all together yep. uh, last night we just wrote um, the first little bit of a theme for one of the characters that will be played on the piano. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to talk about the character yet. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We're so excited with what we have with, with that. Yeah, because at that moment, the moment we wrote it and we recorded that little snippet, we thought we struck gold. Yeah, we struck gold. We're excited. And what's cool is that it's like a, I think we came out to like a four piece piano tune, right? Yeah, around four like And what'll be cool is we can play that on a cello, play that on a violin, and yeah. like, and have them all bring it in together. Yep, and, and layer it here and there and everywhere. Uh huh. Bring it in, and yeah, I am hella excited. Yes, I'm honored to have you on board. <laughs> I'm honored to be. I'm honored that you asked me. This is you know, honestly, I'm, it's a dream come true because I've been. Again, this is all because of you. I've never thought about music, music for picture, as much as since I met you. Now, honestly, whenever I watch a film, that's all I think about. It's the sound design. It's the music. It's how does the audio make the movie or break the movie. And yeah, it's all thanks to you. And I am honored that you asked me to do this with you because... Our music tastes are really different, mm -hmm. but... They're quite different. I think we found a real understanding for what you wanted, and, you know, we're just going off of that. And that's a big thing, too. I'm glad to have helped you get to that point. I mean, that makes me happy. Uh, oh, it's a absolutely. fascinating thing. Um, I think the way we're going with this, like, we're not, like... We're not looking at this and saying, like... We want to make it big and epic and cool. Like, we're looking at it with these characters in mind, you know? Like, mm -hmm. there's a character named Paul, and we're looking at the character and figuring out how his emotions sway throughout the film and, like, how we can really help that with, like, musical swings and, like... Right. How we can help the character's decisions feel more justified using music instead exactly. of just going at it with a cool epic vibe like yeah. we really play with the emotion 
of the scene of the character. Yes, fully. And yeah, that's yeah, I'm so excited really <laughs> to delve into this. It's gonna be a, a race to. We're trying to shoot at the end of this year, but uh, it's a Christmas movie, so we need snow mm-hmm. back in California. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to have an absolute blast. Uh, we got some really cool people on board. I know Paige Bowers, uh, who also goes to Columbia. She's our awesome, insanely talented friend. Um, yes. She'll be on violin duty. Yeah. Uh, she's going to kill gonna it. We're going to work together with that as well because she's going to kill it. Wild. And uh, Ambre Campbell, who uh, um, also goes to Columbia. Yeah. Who's also that was episode on one. Book. Yes. And she's Paige on will one. be episode seven. So yes, both these people will be. Watch out for all of that. On. Uh, she plays the cello. Or at least she used to play the cello. I yeah. don't know if she actively does anymore. But I don't know if she actively does. But yeah, she's about if we to. find the equipment and stuff, she can play yeah. the cello. So, and they're both really talented people. Ryland's insanely talented on <laughs> the uh, composition front. So we're oh all gonna God, get crazy. This is my first score. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. It's okay. Stop we're it. gonna get crazy. <laughs> we're gonna experiment. That's the whole thing. That's yeah. With this this movie and this score is gonna be just like. Throwing stuff on a, at a wall and like seeing what sticks and what works and like just having fun. Like yeah. we're gonna get crazy, right? And like I have, I'm looking at this list in front of me and I can see all the influences that I've had over the years. Like they're gonna go into this score and I know Ryland's list inside his head of all the things <laughs> he's listened to and made yeah, in yeah. the past will come into this thing. Absolutely. And I think it's gonna be. A beautiful little baby of film music and i'm so yes. excited it's gonna, yes. we're gonna go crazy we're gonna go batshit crazy with this yes and so. i couldn't be more excited so stay tuned board, so. for that everyone i'm excited thank you rylan for yeah. being coming i'm so excited oh hell yes i would not pass this up for the world it's gonna be Whoa. super super exciting we're gonna go nuts yep val robin 2021 baby it's coming <laughs> hell yeah but, you know, bringing it back to music mm-hmm. after this big reveal. And I know we touched on this a lot, but I want to talk about your tastes now just a little bit more. How mm-hmm. they've evolved from childhood to now. Just how you feel like it has changed you. Mm-hmm. I think now I'm a lot more minimalistic and ambient in nature in terms of like my music taste and also just like my nature you know yeah yeah i think i used to be a little more hyper as a kid not super hyper i've always been kind of mellow but like i feel like i've mellowed out over the years and i feel like that pertains to my film um taste and my music taste okay yeah so like i used i would listen i still listen to like david bowie and stuff like that's like so vibrant so epic right fun yeah like I love the ambient scores of Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, or mm-hmm. Brian Eno, Eno, whatever. Eno. Yeah. Eno. Um, he's got some ambient stuff that I use a lot, and like temp score and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I think that's how it's changed a lot. I think also stuff that's experimental works a lot in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sunlux. Sun like yeah. Sunlux is huge in that. And I think. In the post-production realm, I think I've become more experimental and weird with stuff that I've edited. So I think that transcends into my music taste because I like to get weird and yeah. um, try wacky crap. Right. Um, 
So I think that's the way it's evolved over the last, like, maybe four or five years. I've really seen myself mellow out and just, like, I just love simplistic, minimal scores. Like, I don't like having, as much as I love layers and everything. I mean, I know you like those big moments, but when it's really big all throughout, kind of takes away from it. Yeah, like, I love, I don't know how to describe this real quick, but, like, Stuff that builds slowly and repeats a certain, uh, see musical terms, I don't know, but like Muse does a lot with just like building a certain piece of music and then, yeah, keeping like, with you know, it. A couple measures or like a bar of music, they keep repeating it, add more stuff to it, on exactly. And on, That's build the big it thing. Up. Instead of like a lot of music, just like does one, uh, you just said measure or bar, like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so ignorant to that stuff, but it's like, fine. I have barely any knowledge on that stuff yeah. too and i'm a musician I'm yeah just, you know bad violin but yeah anyway no it's all good but like stuff like that like muse is a great example of a band that builds and builds and builds and builds and just adds stuff like slowly instead of just going right into the chorus yeah. and going right into it like i just love the repetition of just yeah. building the instruments and like because again it builds that tension. it's the tension it's so good yeah and another thing um that I like to delve into real quick is this fascination I have with this certain note change. It's a big mysterious thing to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I know you know what I'm talking about, but I don't know how to describe it to audiences. Maybe you can help with that because it's a certain note change that I'm completely obsessed with. And I I could try to do it right now, but like, don't, don't. Like it's, 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 it's a specific... Yeah, it's down almost like note. a major to minor key. Probably, yeah, whatever, sense. if that's what it is. It, yes. it's, again, it's that shift of emotion, right? Yeah, it's this yeah. just downhill, just perfectly, I don't even, I can't describe how satisfying it is to me. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many songs that have it, um, and so many songs that don't, but yeah, is it? it's so satisfying to me. Yeah. And a lot of bands use it a lot. I know Muse uses it so often. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's such a fascinating thing to me. I know, uh, I talked to my mom about it sometimes and she used to love that note. Like my dad would play guitar and she'd yeah. be like, can you play that note? And somehow <laughs> that has like transitioned onto me. So like, this could be in my blood. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so weird. Absolutely. Cool. Like, it's so fun. Lastly, I wanted to get your thoughts on the current musical landscape where do you think it's headed where do you think it's been how do you think it's going to translate over the next couple years do you feel like it's heading you know in a better place in a worse place and you could talk about different styles to where you think they're headed as well yeah i think we're gonna get more experimental because i think we're forced to because like we have to change and get weird that's what people are attracted to they like uniqueness Um, right so I think you're going to see artists try to get weird and try to branch off, even if being quote-unquote weird is moving to a different genre of music that they don't do. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know Taylor Swift is is completely thrown away country for the most part. Yeah. And she's At this going point, more yeah. into harder pop. And I think, like, you're going to see that with other artists that, like, transcend. I know, like, Post Malone, for example, it's like he kind of edges that rock vibe, you know? Like, he had Ozzy Osbourne on the song yeah, in his last yeah, yeah. album. And, like, exactly. you could see that, like, 
it's he's getting a little weird, you know, which is mm-hmm. cool. And I think you're going to see that. Cool. Yeah. You're going to see the, the moving of genres and the mm-hmm. flow of it because we're forced into yeah, it. Yeah, like I always mention on, I think I've mentioned on every episode thus far, everything is just becoming so much more genre fluid mm-hmm. and transcendent now. And, you know, we can't even call them genres anymore because at this point there's no hard and fast rule mm-hmm. kind of for that because it's yeah. all so transcendent. Yeah, it's all crazy. Yeah. So I think we talked about all we wanted to talk about. Although we could definitely go on for hours and hours and for hours. Yeah. There's so many people. Exactly. I just, I'll probably name drop at the end of this or something because they, <laughs> yeah. they got to be mentioned. Yeah. But for the sake of our listeners, because I don't want to bore them to death, let's begin let's the lightning it. round. Let's do it. Are you ready? <sighs> yeah. Awesome. 11 questions, 11 answers. All right. Let's so see how much time. I don't know how lightning this will be, but... Oh, it's fine. It hasn't been lightning before, so I technically call it lightning, but if you need to talk about other stuff, do it. Go for it. Okay, so we'll start off with number one. Throw it. Your favorite current artist. Okay, definitely 1,000% Sunlux. Sunlux? I'm obsessed with them right now. Hell They're crazy. Yeah. Hell yeah. See, that was easy. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to number two. Your favorite artist, but from the past. So someone who's stopped making music. Um, okay. Or someone who's had a really established, you know, music career. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Or something like that. Or, you know, they could still be mus- making music today, but they already have that big established discography. Oh man. Um. Shoot. That's such an interesting question. Um. Do the Beach Boys still make music? No. Then I feel like I don't like, think they do. That'd be kind of fun. I love them. Like I love them a lot. Yeah. And I get since they don't make music, like I mean, I think they do their own stuff. Oh, they now. do their own stuff? Jeez. I, well, okay. not their own stuff. Um Great. Yeah, I don't think they do solo work anymore. I think you know, Brian Wilson. Yep. Probably does some production kind of thing for other artists. Okay. But I don't think for the most part I don't think they make music. Well, they're great. Obviously much like music anymore. The Beatles too. Like, yeah, yeah. That's such a not so fun answer because it's so obvious, but like. But it's they, obvious because it's true. Because it's true. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Moving on to number three, the last concert you've been to, and your favorite concert. I know the last concert. Yeah, the last concert I went to was last year. Um, Muse went on their Simulation Theory tour. Yep. They went to the United Center, and that's where I went to in Chicago. And I went alone, and they killed it. It was so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't go to a lot of concerts, but right. I know that a lot of them are kind of. I'm not going to say subdued, but like they don't have a certain production value that I know that Muse has put into theirs, especially yeah. with that concert. Because it's a spectacle. Again, like going back to it now, like it's so cinematic. Like it yeah. feels crazy. Like right. it's so unique and wild. They had this like two-story tall giant robot animatronic they had come from the back of the stage <laughs> yeah, at one yeah. point. 
their lights uh, were crazy. The stage was insane. Right. And it, yeah, it was just complete spectacle. That was the last concert I went to, and that's mm-hmm. totally my favorite. Like, yeah, I just felt like I was a part of something, you know, like mm-hmm. like a part of something greater. Totally, and like I don't know if I'll ever see something like that again at yeah. another concert. Right. It was so unique, mm-hmm. and Muse is a band that I feel like can work even better live. Like they kill it. Oh yeah. They were oh, absolutely so good live. They have yeah. this amazing uh, Night to Sidonia rendition on their live shows that uses like this uh, i think it's like a flute or it's a it's harmonic it's It's right yeah it's so they're because i've listened to the live renditions of it yeah so the original song is like six and a half minutes yeah it's long but the way they do it live they do it for like eight and a half to nine minutes oh yeah but they have this whole uh, like harmonica intro and then they bring all these like choral voices in and it just blends together, builds like we said. Like we're talking it builds, about, it builds, it builds, builds into it, and then it goes right into that guitar riff. It's so crazy, and I didn't even know. I didn't know about that going in. So I'm like, when are they gonna play "Nights of Sidonia," my favorite Muse song? And then you heard the harmonica, and but you're like, I didn't even you didn't know, know then. I didn't know then. then I'm like, what guitar, is going on? This once is that guitar crazy. Came in, yes, like, boom! The audience knew. It. We all start dancing, but like, yeah, like that slow build was so good. Yeah, it's, it's so cinematic so, and so mysterious. So beautiful, yeah. All right, moving on to number four. One artist that you could bring back from death. We talked about this like three days ago about this exact question. Yeah. I want to bring back someone like Mozart. Mm-hmm. Somebody completely far off and dead. But like, yeah. What? how would they go at music now? You know, like mm-hmm. with the technology at hand, how would they go about it would they stick yeah. to pure especially mozart as a renowned composer how would he relate that music that he composed into the modern age with the technology that we have now totally and like like we're saving this person from death right like it, they Pretty their much. impact is still hurt. like they they still made the music okay yeah, yeah then yeah, yeah. yeah no i want to bring back someone like mozart because their music is still left an impact, and they they can hear you can hear someone like Hans Zimmer or anybody else who uses orchestra, yeah. orchestral stuff, mm-hmm. and like his influence is heard there everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how would he go about it now? Like, it's so cool. Exactly, exactly. Anyone modern? Well, you know, in the past like couple of decades, hmm. anyone that? I'll say like someone like Elvis might be kind of cool. That would be cool. I would love to see what he would do with the t- with talking about the same stuff, stuff like the yeah. technology at hand mm-hmm. who plus would he you, make music with you know yeah. who could he go right. at it with exactly plus if you look at how many people elvis has influenced yeah so how many, many artists he's influenced what would he think of the music they're making yeah know? would he say like that stuff sucks even though they are like ripping him off you know even in a way though they <laughs> idolize him yeah yeah it's so fascinating. That's uh, yeah. Someone like Elvis, someone like Mozart, mm-hmm. you know. Someone who basically impacted the world in such a great way. And how would they try to do it again? <laughs> exactly. I love that. All right, moving to number five. The number one song we would find on your road trip playlist. I want to go with because for some reason I have this weird nostalgia with this song, even though I don't. Is a uh, tongue tied by Group Love. Okay. Yeah. I don't. There was never a moment in time like where I f- 
felt connected to that song where I like listened to it. Like, uh, We Are Young by Fun, mm-hmm. I listened to when I was in sixth grade. I have yeah. a direct nostalgia tie to that. Yeah, but with this right. song, like, <laughs> I have nothing tied to Group Love's uh, Tongue Tied. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I listened to it recently, like within right. the last like two or three years. Yeah. And so I feel like that's like just a fun road trip song. Oh, I love that. It's Beautiful. Like a, with a group of friends in the mm-hmm. back. Yeah, just jamming. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Moving on to number six. Your least preferred genre or style of music. My least preferred genre. Um, I'm not a big rap person, even though. We talked about like my love of bass and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would expect can't... for you to kind of dig that music just because of the bass response and all that kind of stuff. But what I found is like there's some songs that I strap on my headphones to before I have like an epic thing. Yeah, where I throw rap on it's and like, like hype I get almost. in the hype zone. But I think I've thought about this topic a lot in that I feel like I like we love I love the slow burn the slowness of songs building. Yeah, like. I don't think you can get that a lot in rap because it's so built on fast. It starts it's fast. On, it starts at a 10. It stays at a 10. And it's purposeful in that. Like, yeah. it's supposed yeah. to be that way, and people love it. Right. I just can't. Like, mm-hmm. it's too fast. Yeah. I'm also, like, a slow person. Like, yeah. I'm just, like, yeah. riding the wave. I so, got that ambient, mellow. Yeah. So, rap is, like, totally up. the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike it. It's just not something I'm going to listen to. You at least prefer it. There are, of course, things that you like within the genre, within the style. Beautiful. And then moving on to number seven, a song that can make you cry instantly or just, you know, hit you in the feels. Oh, man. Um, Jeez. Oh, sweet. Okay. I have the opportunity to talk about a couple people then. Um, Do it. A lot of stuff by a man named Max. I th- Max Richter or Max Richter. I don't know how to say it. Probably Richter. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably what it is. But he does um, score. He did the score for the Leftovers. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. His most famous song, I think, is "On the Nature of Daylight," which is in the intro to Arrival. Okay. And a lot of stuff. Ryle and I are using it as an inspiration piece for Val Robin. It's just beautiful. Among sh- others, yeah. Amongst others, 100%. Yes. There's, this song is just so emotional. Mm-hmm. And especially since it's like in Arrival. I love that movie to death. I can yeah. relate it to that movie and that intro. is heartbreaking. So mm-hmm. something like that totally makes me cry. Okay. Um, completely going away from that. Uh, where is my mind? But not from the Pixies. But a cover. But different covers, like, yeah. get me. It's just, like, that's just a... Because I think that song is so versatile because, you know, you hear the Pixies original. Mm-hmm. And then you hear what some artists have done with it. They made it really emotional, really, you know, stripped down in a sense. Yes. And the, the notes that they chose to put in that song yeah. can be adapted with any instrument. It's exactly. so cool. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that song, I know, like band called nada surf i think nada surf oh my god i love nada surf i like, don't listen to them not. a lot yeah. so like i can't talk about them too much yeah, yeah yeah i just don't they did a cover and that's like that's my favorite cover I did, of that yeah. song it's so that cool. cover is so so that'll make me so cry good. yeah <laughs> that'll get me where i need to be uh mgmt's time to pretend okay yeah yeah will get me there love just it. like that's a nostalgic song for okay. me and then in total contradiction to that Number eight, a song that you can't stop dancing to or you feel really happy to, you're grooving, you're jamming, you just, it hits you in the feels, but the good feels, you know what I mean? 
definitely uh anything could happen by ellie golding yeah uh that song is just so like <laughs> i daydream about that song about my future it's just like so fun like yeah, yeah. getting married i listen to that when i think like i'm gonna get married one day and i think listen to that song oh happy. adorable it's so cute um geez yeah that song is big mm-hmm. I, this i won't dance to this song but have you seen her with joaquin phoenix yeah. you yeah. know the moon song that they sing with Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin. They sing yes. it. I'm flying yeah. to the moon. Mm-hmm. That song, like, it can make me cry, but it can also make me really happy. Yeah. You know, it's like that perfect medium. It it's depends like, on my mood. It's like a singing in the rain kind of thing. Yeah. Almost, yeah. It could go both ways. And I'm, I'm not going to dance to that song, but, like, that'll make me happy. You can, like, you pull know? around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it just yeah. makes me happy. It makes me daydream. Mm-hmm. Love it. Then number nine. And this might be insanely hard for you or insanely easy but your favorite movie soundtrack and your favorite movie score because you and i know those are two different things jeez okay no i the score is no doubt in my mind is man of steel Hans zimmer's man of steel yeah yeah is a perfect score it's so fitting to this character like Mm -hmm. we talked about with valrov and we wanted like craft this thing to character not for the movie you know right like crafted to the character's emotions exactly and that on zimmer killed it in that realm like it's so tragic but also so emotional and heroic and uplifting and the huge adjective i'm going to say is hopeful like it feels hopeful because superman absolutely in this movie needs hope and he, he is hope. the symbol. He's the symbol of hope as well. And Hans Zimmer just completely knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. with that. So yeah, for that's her score mm-hmm. for the soundtrack. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like Guardians is so good. Guardians of the Galaxies. It is. Insane. It's so classic. That's another one that pertains to the characters. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Like fully. Swiss Army Man. I'm gonna say that's both. Okay. That's a score. I don't know. Have you seen Swiss Army Man? I have not. Okay. No. They do this. I don't know. Let me see who does it. I want to be able to say their name because they're so good. Yeah. Andy Hull and Robert McDonald. Um, they do this crazy thing where they have Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano, who <laughs> yeah. are the two characters in the movie, sing these little parts in the songs. And it's so good. Like, it's mm-hmm. a score, but they also sing, you know, so it's a part of the sound. Jeez, ah, I guess that's not a soundtrack now. It's, but that score is I so mean, good, too. Yeah. I'll probably go with Guardians, you know. I think Guardians. that's so emotional. First um, one or second one? The first one. I think the first one. The first yeah, one. I think the first one can't be beat. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it was really good. Yeah, it really was. Tarantino got the perfect songs for that film. Yeah. Yeah, Tarantino, too. Just He knows. You know. He writes with the music in mind. Exactly. All right, moving on to number 10. Your favorite era of music. doesn't have to be a decade or whatever. It could be a decade. could be like a five years or what would you pick? For stuff that I listen to actively, I need to be honest and say stuff within like 2010 to now. Okay. Just because yeah. I think it pertains to my interests the most. Absolutely. Um. But I think for other genres, I think the 70s is so cool. Uh, I'm really big into 60s and 70s rock right now. Yeah. Oh, um, I know. Yeah. People like the Bee Gees, Neil Diamond, Beach Boys. The Doors, too. The Doors. Like, 
it's like creepy stuff. Like I get so unnerved when I listen to this stuff. And yeah. like for me, that's good. Like I love <laughs> that feeling. It just feels of its time. It feels like it's in a movie. Right. And it's like this like fake joy, you know, like when you hear like a BG song. And I'm not talking about like the funky stuff. I'm talking about the stuff the where they sound like stuff. the Beatles. Yeah. The harmonies. Yeah. Like you just feel this fakeness behind it, which is yeah, so cool. Yeah. And yeah. I forget what the question was. Favorite era. Era. So like 60s, 70s, 70s. for stuff that like inspires me. Not yeah. that I actively listen to and enjoy, mm-hmm. but stuff that I like listening okay, you to. you draw inspiration for, Exactly. It. Yeah. Instead of like in listening to and enjoying. Awesome. And then final question. Number 11, your greatest album. And it's not, you know, an album that you love just because you love a couple of the songs on it. It's an album that you could hit play on and hit repeat on the whole album listen to the whole album in its entirety on repeat forever and ever and ever man of steel is one of those the score to that movie yeah um shoot who else Uh (laughs) it's so hard it's such a hard question it's like the hardest one yet that's exactly why i thought of it because no one can name an album off the top of your head and people say they love albums just because you know, there are probably like four songs out of the 12 that they like, but they don't listen to the rest of the album. Yeah, this was a very tough question because I can't even answer this. No, it's, it's the hardest hard thing for me. Hell. I know the soundtrack to Hang the DJ, the Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. uh, by Siggy Ross and uh, Alex something, Alex Summers, I think. Um, okay. I could listen to that full album and go to sleep to it. It's so ambient and mm-hmm. so peaceful, and like I get so much good feelings from it. Brings yeah. me into good sleep, into a good sleep. Right, right. So yeah, jeez. Amongst those, probably Man of Steel. Honestly, Man of Steel. is like, like I said, it's a perfect score. Mm-hmm. All right, and then with that, the caps off our lightning round, and you have reached the soundtracks of our lives. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah thank you so much no for coming problem. here this was i mean you didn't have to come far we live in the same room you just have to walk to the friggin' countertop but not for long <laughs> stop it no. yeah so amidst all this chaos you know we're packing and everything we're packing there's stuff all around i was i was adamant i had to no, be we had like to do it. it's good to talk about something keep art going you know keep art going keep ourselves distracted from the pandemonium outside yeah but thank you so much no problem dude like i said before you've really opened my eyes to the more cinematic stuff i listen to now and dude it was hell yeah so sick what you're doing with music in film and in picture it's so beautiful to see because everything that we talked about you're actually applying it to what you do and Again, it's inspirational. It's just Thank you. really, really, really cool. Thank you, good sir. I I find a lot of joy in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think post-production and filmmaking and music and anything in the audio realm, like it's yeah. like my entire life. No, fully. Absolutely. Like yeah. I'm devoted to this thing. It makes me the happiest. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to have shared that with you. Oh. Hell and yeah. everybody that's listening, Absolutely. if anybody's still listening, uh, yeah. hopefully I didn't bore you enough. <laughs> but yeah, if if anybody has any questions with um, anything I've said or anybody I've talked about, please 
reach out. Um, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. And I'd love to just list out a couple people that I didn't get to list out. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Just for people who might seem to be interested in this stuff. Um, Uncle, U-N-K-L-E, is one of my favorite bands right now. Um, Mm -hmm. They're also kind of like a Muse. uh, I don't even know how to describe it. They're very experimental. Muse, U2, they're great. Right. Um, who else? Lauren Balf, I think is how you say it. He's an amazing composer. He did stuff for Assassin's Creed, um, amongst others. He works with Hans Zimmer occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, Benjamin Walfish, I think you say his name, is uh, another composer. He did It, uh, both It movies, a lot of other stuff. Uh, he co-did the Blade Runner 2049 score, which is okay. my favorite score of all time, with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And that duo is like... So it's your favorite Hans Zimmer score? Or no, no, Man it's of your Steel favorite. Is, uh, Man of Steel is, but it's your favorite, like Hans Zimmer. Totally, score, th- that score is crazy. Yeah. Um, Johan Johansson is so good. He tragically passed away a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which actually, I'm gonna change my answer. If I could bring back somebody from the dead, it's gonna be one of him. Okay, he had not hit his peak yet. Yeah, and even though his stuff is perfect, yeah, his stuff is absolutely mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to see? I want to see more, now. more of his Absolutely. stuff. Like yeah. he passed away like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But like, but he, he could definitely do more. He could do endless amounts of stuff. He did yeah. Arrival, uh, Sicario, which is an amazing score. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, but those people are so good. Please listen to them. Hell yeah! And then before we leave here today, I'm gonna ask you to let us know what you have going on in your life. Any thing you want to plug in sponsor you know yes, share uh, with the world go we, for it Shoot. we mentioned uh coda prime is my youtube channel where i upload yes. trailers and tributes i just recently did a joker 2019 tribute to the song pure imagination from willy wonka and the chocolate factory yeah i watched it it's so good thank you so sir good. um that's my most recent video uh, I do a lot of that stuff. So I just do tributes and trailers, and I think that's my favorite editing mm-hmm. content to make. Uh, that's C-O-D-A and then Prime, all one word. Mm-hmm. Coda Prime. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Eat Ham is the Man. Yep. And then, yeah, I'm currently dedicating my entire existence to Valravin. <laughs> currently in the way early stages of writing, but yeah, that will be the culmination of everything that i've oh, yeah. ever talked about or created it will be seen in that movie that's your I'm magnum opus the magnum opus. and then i can retire from art forever <laughs> just kidding i'll i'll totally make you that movie never... and then be like what the next one is the culmination yeah, so yeah that. that's yeah. me follow me anywhere uh instagram yeah don't oh, yeah. follow it in person though i mean you can follow me i don't mind stalkers it's yeah. okay no big deal rylan follows heard... me all the time true yeah you heard yeah. her here first Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being yes. here and, you know, agreeing to do this and everything amidst all the pandemonium. Know, the we chaos. literally have boxes in our literally. living room and in our hey, um, hey, hey. like entrance just lined up, ready to crazy shit. <laughs> you know, finish up and yeah, it was nice to escape that yeah, world talk about for music. It's a so couple good. couple hours. Yeah, it was so nice but yeah thank you so much no problem thank you for having me i am so honored to be mm-hmm. a part of this legacy you're killing it dude <laughs> awesome get, thank you killing thank you. the job thank you and to everyone listening as well 
Thank you all for doing so. Again, you do not know how much this means to me. It means the world. Um, it's really insane to see how far this thing has come. I just thought of this thing in January and like, here I am. It's episode six. And yeah, it's insane. But thank you for the endless love and support. Um, I love you all. And yeah, we'll see you next time. See y'all. All right, bye.